In your wanderings, you stumble upon a ruined temple buried deep within the heart of the forest. Wary, you continue on through thick overgrowth until you see a clearing that was once an ancient cathedral built by people, now rebuilt by nature itself. In the center is a preserved altar, stacked with various dice of all shapes and colors. As you contemplate what this means, a cloaked figure approaches from the shadows. Welcome, brave adventurer. Have you come to roll the dice? Explore strange new worlds with new strange rules? If you seek adventure worthy of being shared with good friends, you have come to the right place. Just roll for initiative. Welcome to the Nat One Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the table, everyone. Hey guys, welcome back to Nat One Nerds Podcast. This is our official season one wrap-up episode. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun exploring all the different systems, but we also got a lot going on and with the holidays and everything, we're thinking of revamping a little bit and working on improving it so we can be a better podcast for you guys. Oh, absolutely. Because as Brandon was saying, we got the holidays coming up, which is, that's just naturally busy by itself. My wife and I are expecting our firstborn child in January, and therefore we need to move to a bigger place. So we are having a child and we are moving. And meanwhile, my wife and I are going to be moving as well at some point in the next couple months. It all depends on the housing market, but we're going to be moving like cross country. So we, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And I it just made sense to just take the time, take a step back from the podcast and do what we need to do in our lives without where we're in to go. But also, as Brandon was saying, to take some time to just really, you know, find ways to improve the podcast because we've already thought of a few simple things that we could be doing. Um, I'm sure we'll be thinking of some more things. That's what's going on. And so that's the main reason for our season break. But we wanted to do one last episode with you guys before officially wrapping up. So what was uh, what was your favorite system, Brandon, officially? I mean, that's a hard one because each system has such strengths and weaknesses that set them apart that honestly, I feel like I have different favorite systems for different things I want to do. Like if I'm wanting to do just like a loosey-goosey role-play game, Fate Accelerated all the way. Mm-hmm. Like on Halloween night, my sister-in-law and a couple of her friends wanted to play a game of basically being all Disney characters in a D&D type setting, but the only problem is Dungeons and Dragons is not very good for things like that, where you're just making freeform characters based on pop media. So it was really hard, but with Fate, we were able to throw it together in like 10 minutes and had a blast with it with no issues. It like mechanically everything worked and it was fun. So for things like roleplay, definitely Fate. If I'm wanting something that's a little more like, I want to feel vulnerable while I'm playing a little more noir investigative, or if I'm going for more horror themed, Call of Cthulhu is the way to go. But I do have to say, overall, my default is still Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons. Like, okay, still, I, I love it. Still, your official favorite system when overall. it comes to just the general tabletop role playing game of I want to goof off in a fantasy world with my friends. D and D still kind of holds the holds the winning candle for me. Would Call of Cthulhu be second? I'd say so, probably. Okay. And then I'm guessing maybe The One Ring and then Fate Accelerated. I'd honestly tie The One Ring and Fate. Okay. I feel like Fate is great for roleplay based, but if I'm doing a long-term campaign, I would take The One Ring over Fate. But for one-shots, Fate's the king. Oh, yeah. 
no, Fate, Fate Accelerate is amazing system for one shots and just on the fly stuff. Like it's 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 a system you could bring to like board game night and be like, hey guys, I, I have this game. Yeah. <laughs> and I have dice. <laughs> it's the it's the um entry level drug for TTRPGs. <laughs> the gateway drug. I think for me, the one ring is my favorite system. Alright. I, I love I love it. I'm just too big of a Tolkien nerd. <laughs> I, I love running around Middle Earth. Um, I, I think in some ways it can be a little restrictive story-wise because the enemy is kind of always the same. It's Sauron. Yeah. But the tabletop community is always as creative as ever, and I've even seen stuff for outside of that. For instance, you could have like a little skirmish with Dunlin. Dunlin has its own motives, and they're usually not friendly to anybody. So yeah. you can you can be dealing with Dunlin ruffians that are kind of going past the River Eisen and kind of messing with Rohan again because they have a huge beef with Rohan. Or you know, there's the whole second half of the Hobbit book where Smog was one of the main enemies and he has nothing to do with Sauron. Like there there are other people you could have. That's true. He he was kind of distantly related in a way, but yeah, it, it could have been dealing with that. But that's the other thing too is you could be going and fighting dragons. There's other stories. Fun fact about that is that every dragon slayer, every, sorry, every named dragon slayer that killed a named dragon was always of the race of men. I never knew that. Every time. Yep. The elves and dwarves need to step it up. Yeah, I mean, because there, there's an account of, uh, of a worm up in the Grey Mountains and a Rohirrim prince slew it. It was not a flying dragon, but he still slew a dragon, <laughs> which is still impressive as fetch. <laughs> yeah. The first elder dragon was slain by of the race of men. Obviously, Bard, the bowman, was the one that killed actually Smog. killed Smog. And it's not like D&D where they kind of whittled Smog down. He got the final kill with that nat 20 or whatever. No, he just he straight up the killed killing him. blow. I mean, that's more realistic. Like, in real <laughs> life, it's not a drawn-out battle where that one last random knife stab to the ankle kills you. It's... There's usually a kill shot. Yeah, this something hits a vital and you die. Whether it's early in the fight or you've been slogging it on for hours. Yeah, it's not necessarily a final blow. It's a kill shot. So, honestly, I would say that I'm surprised that you found a system already that replaced Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons as your favorite. But also knowing you, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> so, from a certain point of view, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> No, I would say D and D is 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 my second still, just because it's it's a classic for a reason. It's popular for a reason, and a lot of those reasons are good reasons. I will say that D and D is still my go to system, but as far as favorite, it's still the One Ring. And I think for me, after that, it would be Fate Accelerated and then Call of Cthulhu last. Not that I didn't enjoy Call of Cthulhu. I want to make that very clear. I did enjoy Call of Cthulhu. It's just in comparison. Horror is not your thing. Horror is not necessarily my thing. But there, I know there are ways to play it where you don't have to be... It doesn't have to necessarily be horror-centered, per se. You can kind of mold it and, and, and tinker with it a bit to not make it so much like that. Like the one you did, that's about as much horror as I enjoy. <laughs> like, that's, that's probably about it. <laughs> oh, man. We have a game that we play of Dungeons and Dragons where I'm the DM and Parker's a player and they just finished a chapter in the Shadowfell and I have to say I think I sufficiently added to the trauma that his character has and the therapy he needs. Fun fact, Parker legitly did have nightmares that night when he went to bed. <laughs> I woke up, I was like, gosh dang it, Brandon. <laughs> the giant spider. 
There, there was a giant spider. It was, just, and then you just had like this the creepiest town on earth, like <laughs> that that church hospital thing. Oh my, oh my gosh, it was <laughs> that just oh, it's so just straight out of Lovecraft or something. Oh. I mean, that's what the Shadowfell is. It's yeah, basically straight it, out of Lovecraft. Yeah, it really is. Essentially, that that hospital had a bunch of because everybody was like this. Essentially, they were undead, but not normal undead. You go to the hospital, and a nun nurse comes out and is like, "Oh, do you need help?" Like this patient, and she points to a corpse on the ground with a with her tattered rug underneath, and it's like butchered to bits. And I'm like, "No, no, I'm good." She's like, "No, but we've been very successful with this patient." Again, points to the corpse butchered on the ground. They had removed all of his pain. He wasn't in pain anymore. That's uh, successful treatment in their eyes. Oh gosh, yeah. He's like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> Anyway, it's it's hard to explain, but that's kind of a really rough gist. But just goes to show that every person has their own taste with TTRPGs, which is why there's so many. But yeah, those those are the systems that I personally officially enjoyed. I mean, obviously for listeners, it also shouldn't be a surprise that the One Ring ended up being my overall favorite. Because really, I like what you said earlier. It really depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. If you're looking for horror, investigation, noir type stuff... From what we've explored, Call of Cthulhu, absolutely. If you're if you're wanting just true all out role playing, and and not have it be super long, Fate Accelerated, absolutely. You want to goof off with your friends and do some stupid role playing? Fate is the way to go. You can do whatever the heck you want. Yeah, like you want to run a long adventure with party dynamics and have a really cool story that you all weave together the one rings the way to go and if you want just old-fashioned crunchy beat stuff up and get more powerful DD. well i think another consideration too is like what what mechanics also fit your play style yeah i think your play style and mechanics need to mesh at least somewhat in order for you to enjoy the role-playing game it doesn't have to be perfect not by any means like as i said i'm not a big horror person but I can still enjoy Call of Cthulhu. The the gameplay of it's really fun still. Yeah, the gameplay is really fun. And kind of like what we talked about, I'm just going to use the One Ring because that's both the recent and my absolute favorite. I mean, the Hope and Shadow thing, that's dope. Oh, yeah. That was so not, well done. It's not too hard. I mean, it's The Hope is dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Hope hope is addictive. Um, that's a good addiction, actually. Um, but, like, with a little bit of planning, you can incorporate it into a D&D you know, if you especially if you like have a homebrew world and you kind of really want that feel of, you know, people are holding on, but it's not by much. It's kind of like how Boromir said, you know, they're hanging on by just a thread. You know, it's our people that suffer or, you know, that kind of situation. Then, yeah, that's a perfect mechanic to introduce to help elevate that kind of role playing and mood and setting for your for your for your uh, for your sessions. Oh, yeah. I love honestly mixing and matching like. I homebrew so much stuff in my games when it comes to systems and mechanics because it makes the game feel so much better when you can adapt and do things like that. Mm. And that's one thing I love about exploring all these different systems is even if I'm not going to play them on a regular basis, they make what I do play so much more rich from that experience of the cultures of the other RPGs. Yeah. That's the that's what I love about our podcast is that's what we do. We, we introduce these tabletop systems, not only for you to find one that you really enjoy with your table of friends, but to do a little bit of mix and matching, see what mechanics really stick out to you. Cause you could, you could really not like fate accelerated, but you love how they do stress for whatever reason. You just really like that still. And it's like, okay, you can, again, with a little bit of planning and creativity, you can incorporate it into a different system. Oh yeah, totally. Like when I play D and D, I, 
I honestly, I haven't even told you guys, there's been a couple times I've used a like kind of behind the screen version of the stress mechanic from Fate during social encounters. Um, I like the idea of the councils from the One Ring when you're doing like big group councils together with someone trying to convince them of something. I like using the sanity mechanic from Fate, um, from Call of Cthulhu. That'd be so much fun to use. Like I could have used that in the Shadowfell with you guys. Yeah. No, that's easily, yeah, exactly. If you do like a D&D campaign or even just a few sessions like you did where you're in the Shadowfell or even in the Nine Hells, yeah, the insanity mechanic would be great for both those settings because those are places where insanity practically originates in (laughs) D&D. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's so dark and dismal or just so cruel and brutal that regular mortal mind, if it has any sense of decency to it, just... You go nuts, practically. And so the insanity mechanic would be great. And it's not not that hard of a mechanic to introduce. Kind of like the council one. That's a very simple mechanic. Like, there's oh, yeah. definitely a lot to it. But at its bare bones, it's pretty simple and straightforward. Where, you know, in D&D, you come across a baron and you, and you need a favor from them. You can go into a council phase where somebody, you know, rolls, see if they can beat the DC... If it's they, so much more intuitive than just one party member talks to them and rolls a persuasion roll to see if it works. Yeah. And a lot of times that might be fine for simple encounters, but when there's like something big on the line from this discussion, then yeah, a council, just like in the one ring. In the one ring, if you're just talking to somebody on the road and you like, hey, I want to like knock you down in price or whatever. Yeah. Then just do a persuasion roll. That's fine. Like that's, yeah. that's very theatrically appropriate but if you're trying to convince a baron to send his armies to aid you to crush the bbeg then that that would be a perfect time for a council yeah exactly and then somebody rolls um you know rolls to see how many turns you get if you do succeed you know how many turns you get and whatnot and then people not only can pick persuasion but they can pick other skills from the their D sheet to see if they can do that Kind of like with you guys, people can roll a history check to be like, hey, no, you've aided these people in the past before. Why not now again? Or like royal re- a religion check of you're a devout follower of this god who professes helping people. Yeah, exactly. Because if you think about it, obviously charisma and persuasive skills are very handy in those situations. But people can still drive points home with just pure logic or, you know evoking somebody's belief system like i'm not persuasive but even i know that your belief system tells you to help your neighbors why aren't you doing that heck if you want to use athletics to chuck a chair across the room to help your companion with their intimidation check yeah there you go (laughs) yeah you know you can do stuff it allows more creativity and allows people to feel like they can contribute in a way where they don't have to necessarily be proficient in that skill yeah which is which is really nice. It, it it's a mechanic that really helps bring the table together, which is really nice and helps build party unity and so forth. So, yeah, I really look forward to getting into some more systems uh, when we start back up to help us find some more of those golden mechanics that really really set it apart. Uh, I guess a few of them that I'm really excited for when we come back is I'm really wanting to get into both the Pathfinder Second Edition. And the Avatar Legends system. Those both seem like so much fun. And we didn't get to get to them this time around. But next season, those are definitely on our list. I was about to say, I just looked at my shelf. And I have five physical TTRPG core rulebooks that we haven't discussed yet. And I'm sure there will be more. Oh, yeah. It, it will somehow... Oh, sorry. 
correction, there's six. I have a PDF of one. <laughs> I'm not used to PDF, so I space on that one. So technically, I have six systems ready to ready to be explored right off the bat. It's all right, Grandpa. You'll catch up with the kids someday. <sighs> but I don't want to catch up with the kids. <laughs> That's one debate that Parker and I always have is I always do everything DM-wise on my laptop, everything on a screen, nice and clean. Meanwhile, he's got a pile of books back there that he's flipping through, but we both swear our way is the right way. It's tradition! (laughs) It is time and tested and true. Yeah, it used to also be tradition to milk the cows yourself. Doesn't make it easy. I mean, doesn't mean it's not easier to go to the store. It builds appreciation for what you have, all right? <laughs> I'm not dealing with this. I'm walking away. <laughs> so, yeah, we got we got a lot of stuff coming up, and we're really excited for it. And if you guys have any suggestions for how we can improve, we're always more than happy to discuss that with you guys and take suggestions. We actually asked over this past week, and we got someone who was um, asking us a question about how we felt about the podcast. Yeah, it was actually a great question. It actually comes from Stephen, and he did it via our Facebook page. And Stephen asked, what are some mechanics you wish you delved into further? Any that you feel like you could have handled better? Ooh, I'll let you go first on this one. Oh, that's that's hard. The first one that comes to mind is I wish I was able to, especially in the actual play at least, I wish I was able to showcase the journey phase in the One Ring. Because there's a journey phase where like you make certain rolls as your journey because as the joke is, there are no safe roads in Middle Earth, which is kind of true. So you always got to be wary. So I wish I had done that a little bit more. Another mechanic from The Wondering I really wish we could have talked about more is the cultural virtues. Because Yeah, I feel like we didn't really do anything with those. No, we didn't. And because it was a one-shot... There wasn't much opportunity to use those. We could have done better, I think, in incorporating those. But with everything else going on and learning a new system and playing it for the first time, something was bound to slip through the cracks. It happens. Um, we don't profess to roll nat 20s on our investigation checks all the time. There's exploring. a reason we're the nat 1 nerds. Yeah, there's a reason why we're the nat 1 nerds. We're just too passionate nerds about this hobby. Um But that's something I wish I did because those cultural virtues essentially are just little side mechanics and side rules and and side aspects to your character that help make it a little bit more unique. Now, there are some cultural, like, you'll go to the list for the Elves of Linden. The Elves of Linden have a list of cultural virtues. And you can can pick which ones as you're leveling up. And that's part of leveling up in the One Ring is that you do eventually, I believe, gain, you occasionally gain another virtue here and another virtue there. Kind of like with leveling in D&D with subclasses, you don't level, there's nothing super grand every single level. It's just like, you know, a third level, oh, you get a subclass. You know, a fourth level, you get a feat. But then fifth level, and then fifth level, you get an extra attack usually. But then sixth level, you got more HP. Like Every now and then there's some, uh, there's always levels that are off levels where it's like, okay, you got a little stronger, but you're not spiking every level. Yeah, and the cultural virtues are really nice because they still allow a little bit of variety and a little bit of flavor to your character while still sticking to this is kind of what dwarves are known for, but there is versatility within that dwarves culture. Yeah. Because again, you're not playing races in the one ring per se, you're playing cultures and your character essentially represents that culture at the table. So, which, which makes sense. 
Yeah, I would say the mechanic that I wish we had gone more in-depth into that I really enjoyed, ironically, also comes from Willen Ring, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the council system. Like, I just loved that so much, and I wish we could have done more with it and kind of talked about it more, because it's just, out of all the TTRPGs I've gone into, I've never seen anything that more accurately embodies what it's like to have a council as a group with an outside force and try to work something out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a well-done mechanic. Mm-hmm. It, it is. Council, I know that was one of Savannah's favorite aspects of the One Ring, too. She loved Council a ton. And that that's a great one as well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything, any other mechanics. I felt like we did pretty good with Call of Cthulhu and Fate Accelerated. We, we rounded it out really well. I think it was because on those ones, we also had the outside help. Yeah. Those collaborations that we had with other content creators... They just did such wonderful work with helping us to be able to understand the systems better and to know what was doing. Like when I was um, when I was running the game in Call of Cthulhu, it was so convenient to be able to just stop and ask real quick, like, hey, is this how I'm supposed to be running this? Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. So shout out to Ned and Christian from Improv Tabletop Podcast. Those guys are awesome. Oh, yeah. And then shout out to Pedro. From the Storyteller Tavern podcast. Oh yeah, we love Pedro. Oh yeah, they're all they're all great. <laughs> that is definitely one thing I've appreciated with doing this podcast is finding just how welcoming and kind oh, the TTRPG podcast community is. Yes, like everybody just gets along so well, is so helpful. It's honestly, I would do this podcast just for the community. Yeah, we're very grateful to be part of it in any small way that we can be. There's been some amazing people. We've appreciated everybody that's collaborated. I know we've done uh, Emily and Sierra from Rosemary PG Studios. We've enjoyed being on on their D and D campaign, and we we enjoyed them coming on and talking about D and D books. Oh yeah, two of my favorite topics: D and D and books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know we had a uh, Derek from How Not to DM, and then Matt from Twenty Sides Podcast come on and do the D and D Trivial Pursuit. <sighs> that was so hard. So. But yeah, I think it just goes to show we don't know everything, but you don't need to know everything to enjoy enjoy this hobby, to be a part of this community, and just be you. Like, it's great. Yeah, we've had a really great time doing this with you guys, and we really look forward to getting back into it with you after our break. We've got a lot of cool content we're going to go over to give us some time to brush up and really catch up. And we're excited to get back with you in a few weeks or however long it ends up being. Yeah. We will we will say this. We won't be 100% on break. We do have plans to do a special Christmas uh, one-shot actual play that we'll be recording here in the next few weeks and get it out before Christmas. Oh, yeah. We got to have our holiday adventure. Yeah. So look forward to that. There will be a Christmas one-shot actual play adventure from that one nerd. So be on the lookout for that. But otherwise, we will be fully back in... I'm planning roughly sometime end of February. So I got to get used to having a kid. And yeah. so I may, depending on how the kid is, I may need an extra week or two or something like that to, <laughs> to get a little more used to it. As someone who's been a dad for a year and a half, take the t- few weeks. <laughs> it, it makes a difference. So, yeah, we plan on being back roughly end of February sometime during that, that point. So, but yeah. Be on the lookout from then, but otherwise, I we still plan on doing our um, social media stuff on Facebook and, and Instagram and stuff like that. So 
um, you can always catch up with us there as well. Yeah, we'll still be posting memes, having some fun on there, uh, still interacting with the community. So once again, thank you guys so much for joining us on Nat One Nerds podcast. We look forward to hearing from you, talking with you, hanging out, and we wish you guys a happy holidays. Go and enjoy some time with your family, your friends. Have yeah. a good time. Enjoy more dice. Oh yeah, get some more dice. Definitely <laughs> add dice to your Christmas list. There's never too much. All right, see you guys in season two. Happy rolling.